Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, where we get to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive into our weekend services and the message that was spoken. So, as always, I'm Ben. Hey, how you doing? I'm Josh. This is Josh. Happy to be with you in the studio again. It's yeah, so nice. we're, we're back in the studio. We were doing these remotely for a while, but then with some of the, the things lifted, some of the restrictions, so we feel like we can be in the studio. So, it's a lot better sound quality, a lot better video quality. We're just generally happy. And a lot better content. <laughs> all right well it kind of feels like a personal shot but whatever okay wow, um jab yeah so super excited that you're joining us whether this is your first time joining us or this is kind of a regular cadence for you thank you so much what we're really hoping is that you're challenged and encouraged in our conversation and our dialogue uh, this week we were looking at chapters four and five of acts as we continue through the holy spirit series that we're on this is kind of part two started the first part back uh, in february and just kind of picked up the second part of this um, we do want to highlight for you real quick before we jump into our content, before we kind of do a recap of what we talked about, just in case you weren't there, um, and then go further into questions. And we do have some questions this week. So thank you. Nice job. Thanks. Two Thanks. people sent in questions. Very nice so of you. Pretty excited for that. Thank you. Um, I'm not going to say that it was really a month and a half since we had questions, but really glad that you're sending in questions. Thanks to our viewers Thanks. at home. Unless maybe that's just it. I was asking such great questions that they, they like, felt like they didn't need to. Just yeah, cover it all. I don't know. Um, but the, what we do want to highlight is that we have started to do a drive-in service. So basically on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., you can stay in your car. We also have a seated area that you can kind of get out of your car. We want you to still be mindful of social distance practices. So wear a mask as you're coming to and from. Um, you know, as you're talking to people, make sure you're interacting, wearing a mask, uh, staying in your car. Like just trying to be mindful of that, but also trying to create an opportunity for us to come together as a community. Trying to stay within the guidelines that the state provides for us of, you know, less than 25 people at this point and so on and so forth. But would love to see you there. It's Sunday mornings at 1030 is when the service starts. We kind of open the parking lot at 945. There'll be somebody there that will instruct you. If you want to go to a seated area, you can go there. If you want to drive in area, well, we've got it kind of down to, I don't want to say science. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. say that. We've, we've got some understanding of what we're doing at this point. This will be our third week doing this, so would love to see you if you want to be a part of that. You can go to our website, clcfamily.church, and on the very top of that page, you'll see a button that says click here for information about our drive-in service. So would love to see you be a part of that, and hopefully maybe even this Sunday. And here's a pro tip, and then you can get another yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, we're seeing some batteries die, so yeah. we'll have some <laughs> jump boxes yeah. there. But uh, go to Amazon, 15 20 bucks, You can get a little radio receiver. Yeah. Some of them are solar-powered. Some of them are crank-powered so that you can have it for all your weather emergencies. And you can just sit in your car, listen well, and not have to yeah. uh, run your battery. It's going to be a little warm this weekend, yeah. uh, so be prepared for that. might have some rain. If so, yeah. just uh, be on the lookout. We'll give you some directions. Yeah, if there is rain, we probably won't have a seated area. It'll probably be all drive-in. But, yeah, that's great. 104.1 is the uh, FM transmitter that we have, so that'll be just on Sundays when you come You'll hear it in the parking lot. Pretty much that's it. You won't hear it outside of the parking lot. So if you're like driving to church. You're going to hear Justin Bieber. Yeah, he'll probably hear Justin Bieber or something else. He'll be telling you he's sorry. We, <laughs> that's that's an old song at this oh, point, but whatever. Oh. Anyway, so and then the other thing that we're excited for, this is just kind of a, a preview. In the next few weeks, we hope to start setting up some outdoor drive-in movies as well. So we had been doing that, kind of took a break. And then with COVID, everything changed everything. So we're hoping to get back to that in just a couple weeks. We'll have more details for you next week. So stay tuned for that. So do we want to jump in, kind of give us a, a recap of what we talked about this Sunday? Maybe do we want to? Well, what else will we do, Ben? 
Well, yeah. Well, we want to. Okay. So, yeah. do you want to is kind of the question, the invitation. Yeah, so it's really simple. It's a really simple message. If you lie, you die. Um, nice and pithy. Put it on your coffee uh, mug, and that's it. If you lie, you die. God will kill you. Um, and in Revelation, it tells, you, it tells us where uh, people who lie end up. And so, it's that kind of uh, talk. In fact, I, I joked a little bit this weekend of there's not really good kids' curriculum on, on this material uh, because essentially what happens, uh, husband and wife, they scheme. Um, and they end up dying for their scheme and it's, it's pretty devastating and pretty overwhelming. And, um, so kind of big idea and want you to get this is that sin is not fatal. Like they died, but it wasn't their sin that made it fatal. It was their attempt to cover their own sin with their own righteousness that ends up being fatal for people, right? This, this idea of hypocrisy, which, and you know, in its base sense is, us trying to earn our own salvation by right? the way that we pretend all that kind of stuff. So what we saw is we saw this really great godly dude, Barnabas, who is just the, a leader of leaders, right? Like he is always innovating on the you know front lines of transformation in the local church and um, empowered by the Spirit to do those things. And we saw some folks who tried to imitate that, but without the uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, personally, this, this message overwhelms me because it's a world that I've always lived in. I think a lot of us have. Of It's a lot easier to just do it on your own and scheme to say, well, I know I can achieve that. Even if God doesn't come through, I can at least handle that. And so it's like, um, it's like uh, the church now, empowered by all these people, not by the Spirit, is kind of impotent in terms of what, what's available to us. And so you kind of see the ramifications of that with Ananias and Sapphira. You got Barnabas leading change. You got these two guys go, a husband and wife that go, hey, we're just going to pretend that we're good. Yeah, We don't want any real work done in our lives. It's just easier to just pretend that it's good, right? That's why you take your camera angles here or, you know, when you take the picture for selfies and you move the stuff off your counter. Like there's this presentation that we want to give our lives and it's kind of interesting you see this all across social media all the time these people that look like they have fabulous lives and then you hear about drug overdoses and suicides of these people who look like they have fabulous lives right Mm -hmm. because they're just behind that is is uh, you know this fatal thing that's encroaching going yeah you can't earn your own salvation you can't do your own things you can't fulfill your own hopes on your own and so it makes sense that we just stop pretending and so the whole idea of this message was can we just stop pretending can we acknowledge that we are in process and one day we will arrive at who god calls us to be but that day's not yet so let's not pretend like it is instead let's ask the holy spirit to continue to transform our hearts and do new things in our lives so yeah and so i feel like as we dive into this this is this is a passage of scripture that i don't feel like i've heard talked about all that much it's a little uncomfortable yeah it's really uncomfortable as you alluded to like it's hard for children's curriculum to like how do you wrap this up in a pretty little bow and you know make this sound really good um you talked about that over the weekend as well which by the way is the whole point of this passage is it's not a pretty little bow and you can't wrap it up like we're not we're not responsible for the for the narrative yeah right it's not right. our narrative we don't shape it we don't spin it we just look at it and go okay god what is it you want us to learn from something that makes us really uncomfortable because yeah. in this story usually we try to identify ourselves somewhere we're not barnabas most of the time we're ananias and sapphira that's or, that or if we are barnabas we don't want to be like yeah. i don't want to admit that i'm barnabas which yeah. is exactly to what you're yeah. talking about like because i feel like i am barnabas yeah right like that's i think that's the reality of it. As many times that i I want to put on a, a facade or a yeah. face that looks like I've got it all together, but that's not really helpful. And if you lie, you could die. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's, so that's bad. 
So, uh, yeah, so as we talked about it, I, I was pretty excited for this content. Obviously, I, I knew yeah. um, as we sat down to record for the online services and then kind of having a preview of that mm-hmm. for the weekend uh, drive-in as well. Like, I was excited to even learn, go, hey, I've been through, you know, college. I've been yeah. through, like, Bible college and learned a lot. But I feel like this is, this is not talked about all that much. But it's significant because as the Holy Spirit kind of shows up on the scene and acts, like, yeah. this is one of the first things that happens, right? Like... I don't know. Is there any, I guess that's my initial question is like, so this is one of the first things. Why do you think that this story is maybe one of the first, I don't know, lessons. Do I call it a lesson yeah. that the Holy spirit teaches as this, this, his, the spirit of God falls and is moving and working. We see this miracle that we talked about last week of mm-hmm. uh, Peter and John, as they like, they heal this man, but then you get to four and five and it's like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. So I think actually you can view these in contrast. Right. Okay. So that's a really to Luke's the writer uh, of the book of Acts, but God's the, you know, the author of the book. Right. right? right. So Luke's just kind of watching it and playing out. But I mean, Holy Spirit's probably working in him and as he's kind of putting this together. And so you kind of see uh, kind of the setup in Acts chapter one. Hey, stay here and then you'll get my spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses and all this place. And then Acts two, you see the moment where it says they're filled with the right. spirit. Right. Right. So uh, this is where you and so you see that happen. You see Peter and. Um, John do some really neat work. You see, yeah. you know, the, the profession of faith. You see the gospel presented. You see uh, supernatural intervention. And so that is all kind of step one, Holy Spirit does the mm-hmm. work, right? And then step two, let's actually show you what that Spirit's doing. Now, yeah. I'm guessing, this is, this is me reading into it going, well, what's the initial thing that people do? Like you think about it, uh, right now you have AirPods. Two years ago, when you saw those little things in your ears, those little yeah. things, you knew those are AirPods, right? But now when you see them in your ears, you're like, ah, oh, there's some knockoff somewhere, 12 <laughs> bucks, right. 10 That's bucks, right. 170 or $10, right? And so what happens is, when, as soon as something's produced, people start going, how do I mimic that? How, yeah, do, I, how right. do I make that? And so Holy Spirit shows up and does some really good work. And as humans, we go, I like that. Yeah, right. I want to be seen like that. I want to be worshipped like that. I want to be celebrated like that. How do I mimic that thing? Mm. How, how do I get what that patent is, you know? And so... Um, so there's that there's just that process for all of us, right? Yeah. There goes from I mean it goes from you know this movement to eventually what becomes an institution, right? Okay, how do we how do we just do all the right systems to keep the lights on and get people in and out of a church, yeah. and then eventually that institution it turns into a, a museum, right? Yeah, how right. we celebrate the past of all those things, and we talk about in those museums. Most of the time, not all the great work God did, but all the great work humans did in that, like fancy churches, fancy denominations, and so it would make sense to me that if God is going to go. This is what the church is going to be, right? So go back to the Old Testament. You see, first thing that God, God the Father, he initiates it and he creates humans, right? And the very next thing you see, an act of God's will is creating humans, but then an act of God's will, we see the very first institution put together. Yeah. Family, marriage, right? right so right. husband, wife, God puts that together because there's something about that redemptive part of it where we know we get to procreate, be in the middle of creation. And then God implemented the next institution, which is family. And then the rest of the story you see in the Old Testament is how we wreck families and we wreck marriages, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you look at the people after God's own heart. You see the story of David, right? And he wrecked a marriage and did some real damage to a family, right? Yeah. And this is this is the most godly people. And so right, right. God in, created these great infrastructures for us to grow and live and all those kind of things. And then you see 
that, that just all the brokenness that happens because of sin. And so God then sends Jesus and an act of his will, act of God's will as he creates all this, and an act of Jesus' will as he redeems us back and he gives us kind of an incubator by which that redemption and restoration can happen. And that's the church, mm-hmm. right? Third institution. So you got family, mm-hmm. you got marriage, family, and then church. Church is the way by which all this gets redeemed, right? Church is the solution to all those things, how we hold everything in common, all that kind of stuff. So if God were to use uh, Luke to help us understand what the church was look of, uh, look like, both descriptive, here's how it played out, and prescriptive, here's what you should do, right? Yeah. If he were to do that, he's going to show us that it's the Spirit that actually does that. It's very important, really important that we see that the way by which God is going to transform our world, bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, is through the church. Yeah. So if that's the case, he's going to show that the church is a solution, but not human beings. That's why yeah. Peter said last week, why are you looking at me like I'm, like I'm godly? It's not yeah. me, right? I'm in process. So he's going to then give us this comparison and contrast of two supernatural miracles that happen. Holy Spirit does them both. Okay. One, he makes a lame person walk. The other one, he makes a, a walking person lame, right? Yeah, Dead, right? right? right. And so, so that's where you have to kind of say, okay, these are both supernatural interventions. What do we do with that? What do we do with these moments where something divine intervenes into our world? And what we understand about miracles, we talked about it this weekend, is that a miracle is always – pointing us to what's to come, right? Mm-hmm. Blind people should always see. Lame people should always walk. Dead people should always live. So in Jesus, we should have big parties, right? All those things that we see Jesus do and the miracles has given us, a, like he's not he's not intervening in, in our natural order. He's actually putting things in its natural mm-hmm. order, the way that it was actually wired in the way yeah. that it's supposed to be. We have this broken, flawed world. So you see that happen with Peter and John. And so you go, yep, that's an intervention. And that's to give us a picture of what is, what's to come for the whole yeah. church. This guy is going to praise Jesus and be filled with life. He's not going to be a beggar anymore. He's going to be able to participate in the kingdom, right? And that's yeah, what he does. Yeah. So you see that happen in the very next story. You see just the opposite. You see this church start moving and uh, the resources start happening. The Holy Spirit's doing some really neat things. And so what I kind of explained this weekend is what you see in this process for us is you start holding your things really loosely, yeah. which is that's, that's new for us, right? Like, we hold our things tightly. We like our things. We like our things. But as, as Jesus starts to transform us, we hold our things really loosely. And what we end up doing is holding people really tightly, right? Yeah. And so Peter and John had nothing except for Jesus. But they gave people Jesus to hold that, this lame guy tightly. And so you see that movement. And so what God is showing us is there's a real work where he intervenes and does really great work, but we cannot manufacture it. Yeah. And so then we see the second supernatural intervention. And what I would argue there, I believe it to be accurate in terms of why I believe it shows up here in this time is God has also given us a picture of the way that things will be. Yeah. There will come a day where we will stand before a perfect and mighty holy God. Right? Mm-hmm. That's I love J.D. Greer's thought there. Shared it in all the services. Like thinking we can approach God with our sin is a lot like a butterfly thinking it can land on the surface of the sun. Yeah. It's just, it's impossible. Yeah. And there's a part of that that we have lost and it's so important. In Acts chapter 9, it tells us this. There's this marriage between the fear of God, right? Yeah. And the comfort of the, and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, that when those things are operating concurrently, right, the yeah. Holy Spirit is providing encouragement and comfort and guidance. But we fear God. Ananias and Sapphira, maybe yeah. they were prompted by the Holy Spirit yeah, to maybe. sell that. Maybe that was the first move. But what they're lacking in that is a fear of a perfect and holy God yeah. whose plans are really good. And we just seem to lose sight of that. Our yeah. church has lost sight of it. What typically happens, and you can see it throughout human history, definitely even in like church history, you go to the Puritans, you know, you got Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, you know, yep. got that Puritanical law, you got Wesley and his holy movements. Is There seems to be these two parts of God. You got the holiness 
of God. You know, R.C. Sproul writes some good books about, and then you have the graciousness of God. Yeah, right. And right. it seems like there's this pendulum that swings back and forth. Yeah. That there's a, the whole movement towards God's holiness. Yeah. And then it gets so rigid that people are like, wait, I, I got to perform to make God happy because yeah. he's holy and perfect. And so then the pendulum swings back to the other side to the graciousness yeah. of God. And so you kind of have seen this seeker-sensitive movement. And it seems like people fall into one of those two categories, right? Yeah. Like where you're all about the grace or yeah. you're all about the law. Yeah. Right? And so, it, yeah, so you see that individually, you see it in churches, but you definitely even see it in movements. Yeah. Like personally, what I think my opinion is, I think we're coming back to the holiness of God. Okay. We've had this 20, 30 years of seeker sensitive. God is gracious, all true, but we have to hold them both. Yeah. Hold them both. It's a, it's a grace and truth, right? This yeah. is when Jesus confronts the woman or the, it's brought, is confronted with a woman in sin. And he says, uh, you know, you with sin cast the first stone, right? Yeah. And nobody does it. And then he says, you know, uh, that no one condemn you. And she goes, no. And he goes, well, neither do I. Mm -hmm. No, go and sin no more. He had every right to condemn her because right. he has never sinned. So he could have thrown a stone at her. Right. And yet, in grace, he goes, I will not condemn you. Right. But then, and his holiness goes, but there's a better life for you. Yeah. And so we have to live in that tension of grace and truth. And yeah. what ends up happening is we go, oh, gosh, this is a hard passage to cover because this this talks about God and yeah. the fear of God, not you, the graciousness of God. You don't really see grace in this. In right? a name, Ananias, yeah. which means God's grace. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, right, wow, right. this is complicated. Yeah. So I think this is the piece that... Frankly, I think is what's keeping us from revival is yeah. this repentance towards a perfect and holy God. I mean, that's really honestly, candidly, what the last three months of my life has been like and mm -hmm. kind of pausing and going, you are so good and you are so holy and you're so perfect. And I cannot believe you would let me like in the same yeah. galaxy as you. And yet you do that. But it starts from this awe of who God is, yeah. not from this, oh, he, he's, Jesus is my homeboy. You yeah, know? Right. And so I think right. that's the, the tension that you see here. Really gracious. Stand up and walk. You got Jesus. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. Next one. Nope. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So the fear of God is the beginning yeah. of understanding. That's right. So I, it just, yeah. yeah so I, it just makes sense that when you put it in that light, it's okay. The Holy Spirit begins to move, but he's also shaping the narrative, right? Like, yeah. Because it is, it's, there is this fear and it's easy for us to get caught up in one attribute of God, but mm. how does one attribute fully describe all that God is? And I think yeah. that's impossible. So, and that's why the Bible is so beautiful yeah. and we don't understand it. Like God gave us his word, like yeah. he gave us his heart and his, who he is to us because he wants us to understand him. So it makes sense that yeah. we wouldn't just pluck out a couple of scriptures and go, okay, yeah, I read my scripture, right. feel good. It's like, let's actually see this in the context of it. Yeah. And when you see it in the context of it, God's kind of scary yeah. and he's really loving. Yeah. Right. It's like this. And that's just yeah, don't, it. You like, don't, you can't yeah. choose. It's not, there's not, you, you have to have the whole camp. Yeah. Right. And that's and, what I think is uncomfortable for a sermon. Some days yeah. there's nothing you can ever do to make God love you any less or anymore. That's true. Yeah. But he is a holy and perfect God yeah. who we should fear and tremble at the sight it's, of I mean, him and his majesty. Thinking of the scripture, do not uh, like, uh, do not be, con uh, do not be deceived. Um, I'm butchering this scripture verse. Uh, God cannot be mocked. Um, mm. Uh, you will reap what you sow. A man will reap what he sows. And I completely forget the address of that yeah. right now, but just kind of came to mind. So this is important, though, as we think about that, go see what that does to us. Yeah. Person, it leads to some fear, and but where yeah. it doesn't get, it doesn't draw us like to this holy God. It kind of we kind of go, oh gosh, I got to get my junk together, mm. which is not the solution to this. Mm. The solution isn't you got to get your junk together. It's like oh gosh, now I can't go to church because I'm broken and God is perfect. That is all yeah. true, but that's where that's where we kind of you know, shrink back to is this idea that I got to get my junk together because God is perfect and holy. Yeah. But that is not that what the text is telling us. It's going, it's just the opposite. It's literally 
when you when you expose those things, when you confess them, when you give them to God, he goes, yeah. you're covered. Yeah. Then when you go, nope, I don't need you, God. He goes, okay. Yeah. You don't yeah. need me. Let's see what that looks like for you. I, I've got some questions yeah. kind of along Why those lines. I want to I want to yeah. kind of keep moving here with it. So Fine. In, in chapter four, like you start talking about Barnabas and Barnabas was the leader that you kind of mentioned yeah. that he sells his, his yeah. house or land and then he brings it to the feet of the disciples. And one of the things that you talked about is and in your review, which if you were here for the drive in service where we're not doing all that much review, but if you watched online and even if you were at the drive in, I would encourage you to, to grab the first 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Just looking back at what we talked through, basically, once you get to the children's video in the online service, the review is done, right? If I remember correctly, that's what I'm going to go yes, with. Yes, that's right. Uh, that's what I'm yeah, going to go yeah. with. I think that's it. So, but basically in that, you review kind of creation, fall, uh, redemption, and restoration. But then you talk about in the beginning of four, you, you brought in consummation, yeah. which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and man yeah. all in unity. Yeah. And so you were talking about the church kind of living out what will come yeah. in that consummation, kind of that fifth part of the gospel. Yeah. And so I just, yeah. I, I guess anything you wanted to add to that or yeah. maybe any other examples. I think the thing that's that really see. neat there is when we talk about God, when and an act of God's will is creation, an act of God's will is he looks at creation and goes, that's not good for that man to be alone. Yeah. And so then what does he bring for that? He brings in consummation, right? right. Like, so he right. ushers in marriage like yeah. such an important part of that now we see it in all of its flaws and all of its brokenness because there's nothing that reveals our selfishness quite like marriage that's yeah. right like there's just that kind of stuff it's just it really is hard to cover up your sin in a marriage right right if anything it exposes right. that stuff you know like so try and be fake in front of that's your right. wife yeah or so it's husband, like right so like the thing works. about marriage is it actually brings that stuff out <laughs> yeah. and so you see that in consummation so what we understand is one day all that will be made right again mm. what adam and eve experienced in the garden when it says god walked in the garden in the cool of the night where they were all at the table together. Like, yeah. there will be another feast like that, and it will be all of God and us, and we will be united. Not that we'll become God, but we will be with God, right? And so and it's described like, you know, bride of Christ, bride. And so this whole idea of how do we usher that in? And so some of what we've got to think about in terms of consummation, and this is J.D. Greer's analogy as well. It's so brilliant, and I've used it a couple of times. The idea is when we finally get this and understand we're in process, we are the now, like as as ministers of the gospel, right? And I'm talking about the sainthood of all believers. So that's you, that's me, that's all of us. We are now kind of like the best man, yeah. trying to help mm. people get to the yeah. wedding feast, right? And so what yeah. he jokes about is he's like, you know, you know that moment where the the eye lock moment, right? Where you, where the groom and the bride they see each other for the first time, and as a, a groom, you're going, oh gosh, I better cry because people, you know, <laughs> I mean, let me, you know, I did a first look, I'm, so I'm, I didn't you, have to worry about that. All you do is yawn. Yawn enough, your eyes water. So I was like, you know, that kind of stuff. But you're waiting to see it, and you can like, you you know. Does like, Julie know this, or now does she yeah, know she this? Yeah, she knows. I, so <laughs> you, you, I'm actually really a crab baby. So, <laughs> so, but you know, like this, like just like a groundhog sees yeah, a shadow. Right. You see that moment. You're like, yep, they're gonna make it. Oh no, yeah, they're not. Right, right. right. <laughs> and so what he says, and I love it, and I don't always give him credit because it's such a good story. I'd like to just you know own it for myself. Just imagine the best man like stepping in front of the groom and going, "I see you, girl. <laughs> you know what up? You know that kind of thing. What does the groom do? Right. He, when J.D. Greer says, the groom punches the the uh, the uh, the the best man in the throat, yeah. right? Because that's not what the purpose is. And so right. this idea of consummation one day, like we want all of our friends, we want all of our kids, we want our whole community to one day be the bride who's welcomed back to the groom. And that's weird to talk about as a dude, but this idea of yeah. like perfect love, yeah. right? Perfect love cast out all fear, right? That perfect. And so that whole idea of consummation is finally when you see. The tri triune gods, you know, su uh, equally submissive to each other. And then they're going, no, no, you're welcome to the table now because 
of what my son did for you. No, yeah. come back. You're covered. No, no, you're, you're one of mine. You're a child. You're adopted, right? And so that idea of consummation is such an important part of the gospel. So it's hard for us to talk much about it because I don't want to dangle the, you know, the, yeah, right. the carrot of going, one day that'll be good. It's like. Because we're not there yet. We right? got work to do. Right. Like right. we are now the, we're the best man. Right. We got work to do to prepare, prepare for this wedding. Now the work we do is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I just don't want us to sit in some place and just go, well, one day we'll get there. Like, no, God wants us to experience that now. He still yeah. wants to supernaturally intervene in our lives and our family's life so we can get a glimpse of what will be always. Yeah. We want our children to get a glimpse of what will be always. They can do that every day around our dinner tables going, this is what it's like to enjoy each other yeah. and receive each other's grace. Like, that's the picture of consummation that we see one day happening, and that's where we see this triune God kind of working their, their lanes, yeah. bringing this about, right? And so I think it's just really important to understand the role of marriage and family that God initially designed, yeah. and yet we know. We know we see marriage as the thing that reveals our brokenness the most. Yeah. We see family as the thing that causes us the most pain. Right. Like when you love in that way unconditionally, you know what it's like to feel deep pain as a result of betrayal or yeah. whatever else. And it just gives us a picture of what God feels and experiences and has for us. And so all, those two things, they, they, they get redeemed, they get restored through the church as long as the church is participating in this. That's what's so interesting. Most people are like, I just wish we were like a you know, first century Acts church. I'm like, you sure about that, bro? Let's go read <laughs> Acts 5. You know, yeah. you want this? Really, right. really glad right. that we got air conditioning and don't have that, you know? Yeah, so I think I, I agree. I feel like it's this beautiful picture of seeing what that would be like. And there's times if you've experienced that within, hopefully I would say you experienced that in a church, in a mission, in a calling, like wherever God has placed you, like that you experience yeah. some of that. There's something incredible there. And it's so it's so beautiful to see that, um, see Barnabas. Uh, you you kind of talked about the significance of Barnabas. Was there anything more that you wanted to say there? Like, I think our viewers could probably listen to the message. If you haven't yeah. done so already, I'd encourage you pretty much to always use a, use this as a secondary tool, not yeah. just as a primary. Like, yeah. that's what the goal is for the Overtime Podcast, is that this would be an additional resource, not just kind of the main source. So Yeah, so I think with Barnabas, what you see is a hope for who we can become. Mm. And yet, we can't make it happen, right? Mm. So there is this, there is this confidence you get as you walk with the Spirit. That things that used to be really scary now become um, more almost routine. It's a weird thing to say, but like for example, like teaching a message. It used to be, oh gosh, I used to have to memorize all these transitions, and yeah. like, I'd, and now it's like, no, the Holy Spirit's in all this. Yeah. Like, there's just something freeing about like once you take steps with the Holy Spirit, it feels like those steps can get a little bit bigger. You take yeah. bigger leaps, bigger leaps. Like so, basically, the Christian faith is just a, you know, a, a series of taking. Uh, you know, jumps and yeah. hoping God catches you. And yeah. he always does, right? And so what we see is that story with Barnabas. He takes a big jump. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to sell my land. Yeah. yeah no, no, he's going to take another big jump. Okay, I'm going to go on this mission journey. Okay, he's going to take another big jump. Okay, I'm going to organize kind of the community organizer to rebuild and re care for Jerusalem, right? In the yeah. middle of a famine, right? I'm going to take the first leap and I'm going to go and befriend the Christian killer, right? I'm going to take the first leap and I'm going to invite this friend back in grace. He could take advantage of me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so you just see, mm. I'm going to go reach out to these Gentiles, right? So you just see in Barnabas the story of what it looks like to take a leap and have God meet you, right? So yeah. when Barnabas 
held his thing so loosely to the point where he sold them. I'm not saying that's prescriptive. No, no yeah. please don't do it and think that make God happier with you. Um, what you see is this growth in a faith that then gave him the next step. So there is like this series, like there's a scaffolding that happens. And that's where we just want to jump ahead and pretend right, as opposed right. to what is the Holy Spirit calling you to right. do? Even right. if it's a tiny thing, even if it's just go invite your neighbor to church, yeah. even if it's just to write that note or make yeah. that text, whatever it is, ask that person how you can pray for him. That first prompting, what you see Barnabas gets prompted. Yeah. And, and I almost can guarantee it. There are other Bar like there are other parts of Barnabas' faith growth that happened long before he sold a piece of property. Yeah, right. So it's like, that's the thing I want you to see in Barnabas's life. It's just these series of Holy Spirit talks to me. I think that's the Holy Spirit. It seems like it's the Holy Spirit. I might be wrong. It's okay if you're wrong, right? God says, blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. And so it's just these these series of steps, and the, the steps get bigger and bigger. So I just would yeah. argue, man, that, that's probably where you yeah. start here. That's good. Okay, what's, what, okay, what can I do? What, what is it that God wants me to do today? So, so that leads me to a question that somebody had submitted to, uh, submitted to me. It says this, often the Holy Spirit guides you to do something way out of your comfort, uh, way out of your comfort zone. Um, can you speak to obedience in spite of discomfort? Yeah, there's a lot I'd say there. And this is where the grace and uh, holiness kind of complicate because, yeah. I mean, some of my, like, talking points would be, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? right? right. If I tell my kid uh, that he needs to be in at 9 o'clock and he shows up at 9.20, Dad, I listened. I came in. No, you're, yeah. that's, that's delayed obedience. You yeah. know, like, that's disobedience. And so you got that one, or you got partial obedience. Hey, clean your room, stuff everything underneath the bed. That's not obedience, right? Yeah. And so you got those things. And so those are cute little talking points that right, give right. you some fear and trembling. Oh, gosh, I better do the right stuff there. But, but the thing about, like, how it works with God is you don't have to – there's two pieces. One, it's uh, – that seems really hard and uncomfortable, but the piece before that that seems to be the bigger piece is the piece that goes, well, I think this is God, but what if it's not? Mm. So I think many of us would, if, if you walked with Jesus for a while, many of us, if we wholeheartedly knew it was him, would do it. Like, yeah, right. If God told me right now, if he came in and sat in this room, sat here and says, Josh, I need you to sell your house. Give yeah. all the money away. Go live in a cardboard box. If the God of the universe told me that right now, I, I would be scared. But I would do it because of the God right, of the universe. So right. the first piece of that is more, how do we discern if it's God, yeah. right? Okay. And this is where I just want to throw that whole idea out the window and go, it doesn't really matter because you you might be wrong, yeah. right? And so it's it's more about the desires of your heart. And this, that's why I love that passage that Jesus starts off mm -hmm. with in terms of, hey, the Sermon on the Mount, if you, lived, if you believed that, I was, that God was who he is and I was his son and I came to buy you back, this is what your life would look like, right? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is, you know? But it starts with, blessed are the pure in heart. Mm -hmm. For they'll see, uh, they'll see God. Not blessed are the clever. Not the blessed are the ones who are even obedient. Mm -hmm. Blessed is the ones with pure hearts. They're the ones who see God. And so the neat part about no matter what it is, it's going. You know, right now my daughter's been raising a bunch of money for Lighthouse Youth Ministry, like last or uh, Youth Center. Last three weeks, I think she's raised almost five hundred bucks. Right, it's incredible. And she said, "I think God wants me to do this." So she started. I'm like, "Ah, oh, so annoying. I got to put the table, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff." And it's like, I don't know if God told her that or not. Yeah, I think so now. Yeah, but it didn't really matter because she believed the Holy Spirit wanted to do something for the kingdom and her pure heart wanted to follow it, right? Yeah, right? And so it's not about the clarity of any of those things. It's more about the purity of your heart and those things. And yeah. when your heart's pure, you can really check your motives. Like yeah, obviously Ananias yeah. and Sapphira, they weren't told to sell half their stuff, give out, you know, sell right. it all, give it. Like there was some purity in that. So I would just say it starts fundamentally there. Like how do we have pure That's hearts good. that just wakes up and go, we just want to please God. Yeah. Then all of a sudden – the obedience piece kind of falls in line with that. Like if yeah. you tether to the purity, the obedience kind of plays out. Yeah. If it's not a pure heart, then you go, well, why am I doing this? Was well, it because I think God will like me more? 
because the fear is going, well, what am I afraid of? Mm. Am I afraid of disappointing God? Am I afraid of whatever those things are? Am I afraid that my friends will make fun of me? But again, again, to go back to the purity of the heart of going, if you can get to a place where you just want to please God, right? And then you start small with whatever it is, no matter what it is. If it's God wants you to go talk to that stranger in Starbucks, you could be wrong. Yeah. But the purity of heart goes, I just want to please God. That's the only reason. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, this desire. So you start walking in this purity of heart. Not that you're good, but that God is good and you want to please him. And you'll mess it up, right? Yeah. And so in those things, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts to prompt you in little ways. And you go, I think that's you, right? Acts 15 that. It's the story of when after Barnabas kind of helps him invite Gentiles into Christianity, the Jews are like, wait, they haven't been circumcised. They got to get circumcised, right? And, and so they're going, well, we had to get circumcised because we believe it. And you got some people like Timothy that had to get circumcised. Paul's making these recommendations, and they're doing it to connect to, to, you know, to people. And these Gentiles are coming in, and they're going, you got to do that. And these were grown men. And they're going, not it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and and so there was, I mean, it was a big division in the church. Yeah. And so they get together, this ruling council, and it's James and Peter and Paul. I mean, it's like a, it is like the, I mean, it's the, the Hall of Fame guys there, right? Right. And they come out of that going, well, it seems. Yeah. And that word is not like, I mean, it's intentional. It's, it means there's ambiguity in it. Yeah. Like even in the Greek, it's ambiguous. It seems yeah. to us in the Holy Spirit that it, we shouldn't make it more difficult for those coming to faith. Yeah. Thank God, right? Because yeah, right. there's a lot of Gentile, like there's, I mean, I'm eating red meat. I'm eating, you know, right. y'all are eating your gross Maryland crabs. You can do that now, right? Because we're welcome to the table and God didn't want to make it hard for us to right. come to faith. And right. so... That's the piece that seems to me that the Holy Spirit, like to us and the Holy Spirit, that's that's the journey of faith. Not yeah. that it's so confident, like you're so, it's like, it seems to me that the Holy Spirit would want me to be a good neighbor. Yeah. It seems to me that he'd want me to go ask him if I can pray with him. Yeah. Right? And so it starts with the purity of heart. Yeah. Not in this insecurity, not in a place of shame. And that's where the church gets it wrong because we can't manufacture Holy Spirit movements, yeah. but we sure can motivate people with some shame. Yeah, right. And so that's yeah. the, the gray area of where the church has just missed it. Yeah. And going, okay, don't do anything unless you think that there's a pure heart motive, right? You got Mary and Martha, same story. Right. And, you know, Martha really, really wants to please Jesus in some ways. And so she thinks her performance is what is going to be the thing that earns her, her, her seat at the table, right? God, you'll be so proud. God, tell Mary. And Mary's going, pure heart. I just want to gawk at you. Yeah, right? I just right. want to be there. And Jesus goes, he, she's doing the right thing, right? Yeah. Pure heart. Her motives are my value and my esteem comes directly from him. Martha goes, my value and my esteem comes from him being pleased by my behavior. Yeah. So that's where we got to be careful. And that's why I think it starts with the heart. So yeah. can I, uh, let me yeah. dive a little bit yeah, deeper into that uh, question. I don't, I don't intend to actually take it that long. But, that's um, fine. So the question becomes, so the, it's, it's easy to kind of identify, okay, if you're wrestling through, is this God? Is this just a thought that I have? Um, have the purity of heart, but it's easy, a lot easier when it's to edify or to build up somebody else. But what if it's, let's take it to the other side. What if it's more of a rebuke or like, hey, I, this is a hard conversation to have. How do you navigate those waters? Same thing, right? And this is what's so beautiful yeah. about it. It's a pure heart. It goes, what's your goal in this? Yeah. Is your goal, I love you, Lord, and I so love my brother? Yeah. Like, I so love my brother. I so love my sister. Like, my heart wants them to experience you the way that I'm getting to experience you. So it starts with this intimacy that you know mm. God in, right? That's why Jesus says, hey, deal with the, the plank in your eye before you deal with yeah, the speck. Right, like, right. there's a moment, there's a time to deal with the speck. But right. first it's going, God, I want them to experience the fullness of this. Right. This is why I am so adamant when I do weddings um, that couples don't live together or sleep together. Yeah. Because I understand the pain that comes with right. looking for those things. And so that's not a... 
maybe it's a review going nope yep you guys gotta stop that move out if we're gonna do this we're gonna do it the right way but it's not because i want them punished right, yeah, right. it's because my heart so wants them to fully experience what god has in store for their marriage and if they keep doing that it's gonna wreck it right yeah. and so it has everything to do like we don't spend enough time checking our motives yeah like so i don't need to fix them god doesn't need me to fix them god yeah. doesn't need god can use the holy spirit in a million ways to convict yeah so i just got to make sure that what's happening here is that the holy spirit wants to use me because of my love for mm. that person That's and good. then you know that you do this because even in like matthew 18 it says and if your brother listens yeah. meaning there's something about the way you approach this that compels them to listen so to me it's always about the pause and going what's the motivation of my heart right right, right. which is complicated because our hearts are wicked and deceitful yeah. which is why we need the holy spirit right, right. the holy spirit come into my heart start changing me start changing me so i'm going to continue to do what i think is the right thing to do because i know it's the right thing to do but i know eventually what is right will feel right yeah. i have no problem giving to the church now that's good. right i would much rather live off 90 percent of my income or whatever that number is because i know god is good and i know god used it and it's so yeah. much better than me trying to feel like i have to be in control of it all yeah. right that's so good. that's just the transformation that happens little by little day by day it's a cumulative effect right? that's good Thank you for that question. Yeah. Encourage yeah, you. Really good. If you yeah, have yeah. any questions, uh, continue to email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Would love, whether it's part of the message, whether it's not, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, so kind of jumping back into this. So you said, so really what we're talking about with with these two individuals, especially when we're looking at the end of chapter four, Barnabas, and then we see Ananias and his wife. Yeah. Like, so you said the gospel roots out hypocrisy. And that's really what we're kind of talking yeah. through here, which makes it challenging. Um, so I guess one of the questions that I thought of as I was listening was, so what do we do if we feel like we see, or maybe somebody tells us maybe that's because I don't know if you can always see you're a hypocrite, right? Like maybe you can, if you're being honest, but sometimes maybe you don't and somebody points it out. So what do you do if you see a lot of hypocrisy in your life? Yeah. So what's really interesting about this story is you, you have a contrast between, uh, Barnabas and Ananias. Yeah. And from the outside, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, right. Like, you can't tell the difference. They're the same. Right. They're the same. They would have been celebrated the same. They would, People would have been in awe on both of them. Same thing. One had a deep, dark secret. One didn't. And so that's why the gospel is so important to this because it literally is a layer over all of your life. Yeah. That when you get the idea of the gospel, which is, you know, like uh, – um, we had this trouble once with uh, when we were playing a church. We had a guy on our team. He's a bass player. Really nice guy. But he would stop playing. Maybe I've shared this way. He would stop playing during Amazing Grace when it said, saved a wretch like me. Because he could not believe that. Like, he mm -hmm. could not go. And he's like, I'm not a wretch. Like, I can't say that I'm a wretch, right? Mm -hmm. Saved a wretch like me. So he would literally stop playing. And I'm going, bro, like, you're missing the root of the gospel. Yeah. Which is, if you are not a wretch, you don't need Jesus. And right. if you don't need Jesus, then shame on God for murdering him. Right. Right? So what we say whenever we are seeking our salvation and anything else, we are saying, Jesus, you're not enough. God, your plans aren't very good. I didn't need you to right. kill Jesus, which makes you an evil, terrible God. Right, if right. there's any other way for me to have access. And so at the, the centrality of the gospel is there is nothing in me that earns favor yeah. or grace from God. And so that is just a hard thing to swallow, which yeah. um, where you can know whether or not it's the, this, this is the case for you, uh, I think, and I think this is accurate, is – um, you know, Brene Brown's done some work on vulnerability, but I think the root of vulnerability, like the the cause, the, the cause of vulnerability is the gospel. 
Hmm. Right. When we come into agreement that I'm not good, I can't fix me. I'm in process and I have to hmm. understand that and own that. And I feel safe enough to talk about that because yeah. I'm confident of what Jesus has done for yeah, me. Right. And I'm okay. also so confident in who he is that I want to be all that he's made me to be. Right. He wired me a certain way. And so where we probably where I would say you got hypocrisy, I got hypocrisy is places that I'm I have secrets. Yeah. Right, like, and so, like, you're kind of in the addiction category, you're only as healthy as your secrets. Right, right? that's right. it. You only as health healthy. You only get as healthy as your your secrets in your life. And right. so, if there is unconfessed stuff, and I'm not talking about the God, I'm talking about brothers here, yeah, right? So, where you see hypocrisy the greatest is where there's no vulnerability in community. Yeah. yeah. So this complicates it, especially in our COVID related world of going. Yeah. If you are not regularly sharing with people your flaws. And your brokenness. And by the way, you have them, right? That's what I'm even saying. This question I'm, you know, kind of challenging staff with today in our staff meeting is, how do you experience me? Hmm. Right? That's so scary because what it says is how I want you to experience me versus how you experience me. Those are two different things. But I'm only focused on how I experience me, right? Right. Even though I understand I'm broken and flawed and create broken and flawed systems and community. And so I, I would say, you know, the, the reason for hypocrisy is we don't get the gospel. Hmm. Uh, the reason that we that don't find healing from the hypocrisy is we don't get community, right? Hmm. So First John 1, 9, we confess our sins to God, and he's faithful and just, and will heal us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. James 4, James 5, right? This is the prayer. Uh, confess your sins one to another that yeah. you might find healing. Yeah. Uh, so forgiveness comes from God. But healing in these brokenness comes from actually conversations with one another. Yeah, so if you are not confessing sin regularly and have a brother or sister in this that you can talk to. And by the way, you if you need someone to just share this stuff with and yeah. hear the words forgiveness, this is why I think – well, I have a lot of opinions on the Catholic Church, right? I don't think you need a father to say you're forgiven for you to be forgiven with God. But there is something beautiful about them. Get that out there and yeah. hear those words. That I mean, that's why we got emails. You can email Josh at clcfamily.church. Can't promise I'll be able to respond in the link that you do it. But if you need someone to talk yeah. to, Ben at CLC Family, you want a safe spot to just talk about your brokenness, yeah. that's a real good place to do it so that we can at least begin that process. And so yeah. hypocrisy is rooted in the lack of understanding of the gospel. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy is not healed because of our lack of a real biblical community. Mm. So That's good. That's really good. And right? you see that in yeah. Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, and that fake righteousness is, I think, what you referred to. It's like, hey, we want to look good, but we're not actually good. Yeah. It's, we're trying to earn our own salvation. There's something in that confession that humbles you, right? Like, you're oh, not going to be so. super proud because it's difficult. Like, it's not easy to confess one to another. No, it, right? it, is, it is that. It is, it's genuine humility. Yeah. It's like this shrinking back of going, yeah. <laughs> I feel so relieved, and yet... Yeah. I really don't want to tell you this, but I need to tell you this, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's it's just yeah. So Andy Stanley has some quippy statement. I, I'll, I'll wreck it. It says we don't we don't we don't understand we don't believe in confession because we don't understand the consequences of concealment, mm. right? So yeah. we don't fully understand the consequence. And I've wrecked it. I mean, he's pretty good at his little pithy stuff, but we don't confess because we don't understand the consequences of our concealment. So yeah. that, I think those alliteration C's, yeah. and that's really true. We don't understand that root of it and the root of those that concealment is hypocrisy yeah and i think that that's part of even why this story is so like ooh, ouch like it's you're ananias because we we are that's right yeah. like i i am just like ananias that i do that i put on a fake righteousness yeah. or i do like uh, it depends on the day like i can list so many yeah. different things that so and, you know about yom kippur it's like a day mm-hmm. of atonement for the jews and what they do on that day still to this day i believe is they read the whole book of jonah Okay. And at the end of every chapter, collectively, they chant, we are Jonah. Yeah. 
right? I this have idea, heard that. yeah, we are Jonah, we're disobedient, that, that kind of that. stuff, and it's like, yeah, we probably first century, you know, like new Christians, we should probably go, yeah, we're Ananias, yeah, we are Ananias, yeah. That is humbling to say, but I am Ananias. I have, I have fake pretended, yeah, at this church from that stage, right? right. I mean, like, right. don't mean to, but like, there's just times that. I, you know, I'll get credit for something that I shouldn't get credit for, right. and I like right. it. it. Feels good, right? Because I'm right. Ananias. So, right. mm. I think that that's good. Like, and even it just that last sentence of five that we got to, I forget, oh, seventeen, or uh, I, I don't remember, but it's just and fear swept over the church. Great right? fear like, sees the whole church and yeah. all who are about verse eleven. Yeah, verse eleven. So it's just like, and I think that that, that and it was grew important. Yeah, and it grew like yeah. that's. I think that that's good. It's a little bit of a shock, like, ooh, ouch, that scares me a little bit. But I think that that's healthy and it's good yeah. and allows you to continue to grow. So uh, I do want to park a little bit on this. We're in process. Um, and you use the story of shipping. Probably don't have time to get into the story. Yeah. But, like, so we're in process. Like, what does that mean for us every single day? So as we find hypocrisy in our life, as we confess that, like, then what do we do? Like, how yeah. do we move on? How so, do we live in a place? I, I mean, honestly, I think it's a lot like being disappointed that your package hasn't shipped yet, mm. right? So you've, you've already paid for it. It's right. already been bought. You're waiting for it to show up, and it's still in queue and then in process. And you're going, maybe today's the day. You log back in, and you go, you know, still in transit, yeah, still in those kind of things. And I think that feeling you get in that moment of disappointment, I think this is where we are. Like, I just think we have to go, I'm in process. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, that, that's confession. Man, I'm in process. Like, it's not an excuse. Thank you. Get over it. I'm in process, right? It's more of a, it's an acknowledgement that we are not where God intends us to be. So I think mm. it's like this, it's this genuine acknowledgement and repentance of going, boy, I'm still a doofus. Man, I'm still in process. I am 39 years old and I still do that. I still say that. I still looked at that. You know, those kind of things. So I think it's just, you catch yourself in that moment. When that comes up, you don't run away from it. Yeah. You don't justify it. You don't explain it away. You just kind of go, in process yeah i will be better one day god you are doing that and just by the sheer fact that i am able to recognize that in that moment means the holy spirit's at work in me yeah right, right? that's what i usually tell people all the time like you have divinity and humanity at war inside you mm -hmm. of course it feels so uncomfortable right yeah. but what's the alternative yeah that's right. you know the alternative is you walk into a movie theater with a gun and yeah. start spraying bullets right that is where no divinity lives anymore and so right. this right. the the sheer moment that you can acknowledge that you're in process is the holy spirit living in you going there's a better way and i am working on you and mm -hmm. now you know that that will not fulfill you mm -hmm. that's what in process means so this is like a it's like a daily litmus test for you yeah. oh gosh i'm in process that's what confession is i'm in process so that's important that we understand that because we will beat ourselves up and feel a ton of shame yeah. but we don't excuse it away we yeah. don't say i'm in process it's okay god forgives me it's going this is not who he's made me to be, right? Yeah. That's that's the difference between conviction and guilt. Guilt says you're worth less. Yeah. Conviction says you're worth more. Yeah. Right? And so it's that kind of piece of going, oh, God wants better for me in this. God wants better for my marriage. God wants better for my kids. God wants better for my liver. Yeah. Right? All those things. So you just kind of go, oh, we are in process. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good thing. Now, that's just, that's where we are in this life. But it is really important to understand that's not how we're seen by God. Mm. Positionally, we're seen as holy. Yeah, that's right. Which, because God sees this us, this is a tough concept. God to sees yeah. us delivered. He's paid the price, and yeah. He's in the future, and we are delivered to Him right. through Jesus, the FedEx driver, whatever that is. Right? Like He delivers us, and so God sees us as delivered and holy and perfect. Mm. So God isn't like, "Shame on you, Josh." Right. I'm going. I'm in process. Holy Spirit, thank you for changing me and helping me become mm -hmm. that. Right. But God still sees me as His child because of what 
Jesus did for me, right? Yeah. So really, really a pretty neat thing. To, that's why I like that analogy of the in process. Yeah, it's, it's going, a good, good already given my credit card number, yeah, right? right? It's already paid for. Right, so. right. It's just not there yeah, yet. Yeah. Right. And I think that's good. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a little bit of a stretch, but as, as we're talking, um, you know, the big thing here is that Ananias and his wife lied to God, right? Like they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's what the text says like why would you do this and then so and then the holy see, spirit spirit is whispering to them you're in process yes you're in process hey and yeah. i said oh you're in process that will not make you feel better that is not where your salvation comes like that's what the spirit is whispering to them yeah. and they're just yeah and so with that there's the second question that was submitted for this week what would have happened if ananias and or sapphire had said no this is not the whole price we received for the sale of our property um it's a good question. I hate the hypothetics because I don't yeah. have a clue. Obviously, God knew exactly what was going to happen, and he, he had the story written for us. Yeah. Um, I would say they wouldn't have been lying to the Holy Spirit then. Right. They yeah. would have been saying we're in process. Right. I mean, imagine them going, oh, yeah, you're right, Peter. I'm so embarrassed. Like, I can't, you know, like, yeah, right. just that, like, you know, like, I just imagine, like, confess your sins to God. Mm-hmm. Find forgiveness. Confess your sins to one another. You find healing. What you would have saw was a beautiful moment where yeah. these guys finally became more who they were supposed to be. Right, right. I mean, for sure, it's like, like that. That's exactly the moment where we we have those moments all the time. Where we go, yeah. like, Should I say this right now? Is now the time right, to right? And you see it in movies all the time. You're like, just tell her, just you tell her. And <laughs> then the, the scene changes. Like, oh gosh, yeah. this is going to go bad for you. And it's like. We have those moments every single day where we just go, no, yeah, that's not true. Oh, I don't know why I told you that. Yeah, I had to weigh this. I, you know, yeah, I didn't actually go to that school. I don't really have a degree. Whatever yeah. it is, it's like there's just a moment there where you go, the Holy Spirit's going, expose yourself. Yeah. Show them what I'm going to do in you. Like, show yeah. them what I'm doing, you know. And so, yeah, I just imagine that being a real beautiful moment for the yeah, first century right. church. Of going, to celebrate. Oh, hey, I'm Ananias. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, like, instead, there was a different, like, they go, oh, goodness, <laughs> yeah. I'm scared to death of God. You That's know, right. like, okay. That's right. So there was, a, there was an increase in holiness and fear there. Yeah. There was, a, the, there probably wasn't a really great understanding of grace in that moment. Yeah. So, so okay. So my question then becomes, so as we're talking about this in hypocrisy specifically, what's the difference between hypocrisy and blasphemy, right? Like, so what we know is that the Bible talks about blasphemy, and that's really kind of hardened opposition to the truth. Like, blasphemy, which the Bible says is the unforgivable sin, and we can probably talk an entire hour about that. What's the difference between blasphemy and hypocrisy? Like, are they one and the same, maybe in this instance, in general? I would say um, what Peter saw as hypocrisy. Yeah. What the Holy Spirit saw as blasphemy. Right. And so hypocrisy mm-hmm. is more about finding my value and salvation and praise of men and being esteemed there. Right. It's mm-hmm. that I am trying to earn my salvation. Blasphemy. You actually see it here. It says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart yeah. that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You have literally spoken death and lies to the founder of truth. Yeah. That is blasphemy. Yeah. So what, what Ananias and uh, Sapphire were trying to do was hypocrisy. What they ended up doing was blasphemy, hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, so okay. it's more about who it, so So we can't really see blasphemy, but obviously God who knows man's heart. Blasphemy is towards right. blasphemy is towards the creator and author of truth. Yeah. Right? It's what Satan did when he got kicked out of heaven. Yeah. I can do this myself. You don't need that. No, you surely won't die. Right? Yeah. That is speaking hardened truth uh, you know falsehood so two weeks from now we'll talk about that a good bit and the story of Peter and Cornelius uh, and criticism and how do we deal with criticism and the the reality is you replace criticism with the truth and really here's the nugget of the truth is truth is not an idea or belief it's a person Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life he declares himself as truth so what happens here is he goes how in the world do you lie to 
God of the universe. That's blasphemy. So that, yeah. if that makes any sense, I think yeah, that no, would be I how think, I'd I think that's good. I feel like that. that, that now, I, I don't know for sure. Probably, maybe worth Googling those words, but that's how I would view it. I yeah, think, that's so. just a question that I had as I was listening to it the other day. Um, yeah, so, man, so what a story. So they both die. They're taken out. Yeah. They're buried. Fear sweeps over the church, but also this incredible growth continues yeah. to happen. And so I guess one of the things that you said that I related to, it's like, and I feel like we just spent, you know, the last 54 minutes or whatever it is, 53 minutes kind of going, what do we do with that? But it's interesting, like, as we're reading that scripture, maybe on our own, because there is no commentary in the Bible, like when we get to a a story like this, instead of glossing over it, what should we do with that? How do we wrestle through that? How do we talk through it? Again, it's a little bit different when we've spent 50 something minutes working through it. Um, but what do you do on your own? Because it's so easy to just not understand and keep moving. Yes, I love when Jesus talks about whoever comes to me is like a little child. There's something about children. That's why I loved even the Wonder series over Christmas. Yeah. It's like we've lost it, right? Yeah. And so something happens where we get hardened and can you know filled with contempt, and we prejudge, and we have all these opinions about stuff. And so the, the greatest gifts we can give God when we read a scripture is that of a child. Yeah. Like, you know, we get annoyed by it. We're tired of our kids asking questions at some point. Oh, my gosh, could you just give me a second? But, like, there's something beautiful about their, like, wonder about the world. Like, what, if, what if this? Like, even they're crazy hypotheticals. And I just would say, when you enter the scriptures, right, just this is why I love teaching them because this is just how I enter them, right? You enter it with just tons of curiosity. Yeah. Like, why do you say that? Yeah. What is that word there for? Why does it say seems like? You know, right. like, there's just, right. just, like, it's okay to, like, walk in with your doubts and your struggles but just come in. And tons of curiosity. By the way, probably the best advice I can give you towards your marriage as well. Mm. Could just be curious towards your spouse. Why'd they mm. say that? Why'd they do that? Why do they want to buy that? Why won't they tell me that, right? Mm. It's like all of a sudden we're going on this adventure and we're discovering that person, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when we open the scriptures, we're actually reading God's heart. So he's going, hey, yeah. I want you to know something about me and therefore something about you. And so if something doesn't make sense, that's just where you lean into in terms of curiosity. And, you know, there are some great websites. One of them that I actually do recommend often is gotquestions.org. Yeah, it's a I beautiful that one website. that just goes, hey, this kind of wrestles through some of the stuff. And so there's just some ways to find all this. And it's okay. Here's the best part. If you don't fully understand it and you don't get the answer that you're looking for. Yeah. It's right. okay. Like the goal isn't for you to know more, right? Yeah. Unless, the, unless that knowledge is about God's heart. Right, the goal isn't for you to regurgitate this, be able to get the best answer, explain it better, do well on the test. That's all hypocrisy, yeah. right? The goal is to go. I get to learn about Jesus today. Yeah. I get to learn about who He is, and so I think that's the important part of it to to not come in with judgment and come in with a ton of curiosity. Yeah. So I feel like I go to that website all the time, just even to verify. Like I want to make sure that I don't I even think mean I can to go there. I'll just ask the question. All of a sudden, yeah. it's first one. I'm like, yeah, oh, thanks. I've, yeah. I've always been impressed with yeah. them. So kind of, we got about four minutes left or so. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the only two things that I had left were the next steps. And then that statement, you made a statement, you said, sin is not fatal, hiding and refusing to receive forgiveness is. And at first, when I first heard that, my first thought was the scripture that says for the wages of sin is death Mm -hmm. yet Christ has paid that. So I feel like just that statement alone made me go, wait a minute, Josh. And then I was like, no, wait. Yeah, that's yeah. that's accurate. So let's think about that passage in. Is that 623, 323? Uh, 623 or 323, uh, yeah. one of those. The wages of sin is death. One of them is like we're all falling short of the glory yeah. of God. But the wages yep. of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Uh, so if you think yeah. about that, uh, the gift. The gift is the, the important piece there. Like right. what makes something a gift? You can't earn it. Yeah. You can't do anything about it. How do you, like, how do you use a gift? Yeah. 
you open it. Right. Right. Yeah. So gift comes to me and I keep pushing away. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Guess what? I don't get the gift. Yeah. That's right? right. So there is a responsibility in us in the whole salvation process and it's the reception. Yeah. So it goes, I'm going to open up my flaws and allow the gift of God, that grace yeah. to cover every part of me. Right. And so there is this, the idea that I go, God, nope, I don't, I got this on my own. I'll earn my own salvation. Mm-hmm. It's going, okay. Like you want to spend your whole life telling yourself that you can please people and please God and make yourself, you know, perfect yeah. and holy, then have at it. Right. And so there is this receptive piece that we just have to do. Yeah. And so that reception for us is acknowledging yeah. our need for a savior. Yeah. Right. And so that's it. It's just sin's not, sin's not fatal. Yeah. Not surrendering that sin over to be covered is. Yeah. Right. So I think that is the, the great irony of all this is, is going, if you expose it and confess it, it's covered. Yeah. But if you contain it and conceal it, you're going to face the accountability of it. Yeah, right, right. That's good. It's crazy, I, actually. Yeah, so. I just, so I just really appreciated and enjoyed that statement. Like I love that it, it made me go, wait a minute, the first thing I thought is this, but then I, I, I appreciated it because it made me work through it. Yeah, so I, I actually put it in my notes this way. Obviously, I don't ever read my notes, but – um. Um, so yeah, so if you own your sin, he releases you from it. Yeah. If you hide it, you're accountable for it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. sin is not fatal. Hiding, refusing to receive forgiveness. Is. Yeah. So, right. That's good. Uh, so I think that's the important piece. And I think that's the last thing I kind of highlight here. I don't know if you have anything else is this, that I, we have to start asking better questions. Like, yeah. like the question of how much should I give? That's a question that we've always asked. The better question is, um, how much should I keep? Right. Yeah. And, question we used to ask is why don't i have what i don't have mm-hmm. right the better question is why has god given me what he's given me mm-hmm. very different that's about stewardship yeah. and when you look at the story it's not like why did god strike ananias and sapphire dead it's more why did has he not done that to me because yeah. i'm ananias yeah. and there's something to learn in that of going because yeah. he is gracious and he's good and he has a plan and because i am giving him all of me including my flaws and he's covering me from that so there's yeah. a beauty that god is giving us that we should receive yeah and enjoy and participate in and fall so madly in love with that grace, like that we become addicts of it, that we mm. receive it and we deliver it and all those kind of things. So the real beauty is if you're hearing this right now, then God has not given up with you. He has yeah. played the tape through for you and he still sees good and glory mm. coming out of your situation. So this is this is different. And in I asked in Sapphire, there was nothing else good, they don't have pulse anymore. Yeah. You got a pulse. Yeah. Which means God is the you know, the writer of whatever your comeback story is in this. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. And the good news is, is you don't have to create it. Yeah, you don't have to orchestrate it. The Holy Spirit wants to do that in you. So why don't you let him kind of yeah. thing? Just let him. Just let him go. I don't know what today looks like, but I want to be pleasing to you today, God. Yeah. So. That's good. Uh, well, that's uh, anything else that you wanted to add as we kind of wrap up here? Um, last thing I'll just say, and this is where it gets really uncomfortable because I don't know what God's up to. I really don't. I just know um, that it's only going to happen in a beautiful way if the Holy Spirit does it. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a group of ladies right now um, getting uh, getting up every morning at 7 for kind of a prayer group. And I believe mo- a lot of them are fasting on Wednesdays and asking Holy Spirit to do something in their lives. And I don't know. I just would encourage all of you to do the same because this isn't we're going to come up with a great scheme. Yeah. We're going to have a great drive-in service. We're going to orchestrate it all. If it's left to us, we're in really, really big trouble. Yeah. So it just seems like the right kind of moment where the Holy Spirit should be able to come in and 
have his way in our lives and do something. So I just would double dog dare you to ask again, like that song we were singing, the spirit of the living God, would he actually come and invade our hearts and then invade our world? Like if he doesn't, guys, we're in really, really big trouble. But he's going to. And so let's invite him into that and not expect to manufacture it, not come in with our expectations and just go, God, would Holy Spirit, would you please, please have your way. So as often as you can, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, pray that the Holy Spirit would do something incredible in our community, in your family, in our church. So that's what we're going to ask and encourage you to ask that alongside us. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. Again, whether you're watching live or if this is something that you just kind of watch through uh, Spotify, through iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really hoping and encourage you to continue to be um, in, uh, growing in your yeah. faith. I hope that you're encouraged to grow in your faith in this and through this. Um, again, if you have any questions, feel free to let us know over time at clcfamily.church. You can send them all there. Uh, if there's anything we can do as a church, info at clcfamily.church. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and yeah, so we'll sign off and say, see you next week. We love you and have a great week. See you later. You did. Okay. I mean, I think it was all right. But all right. <laughs> <laughs>